Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 105 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here along with Kurt Mortensen. Uh, Kurt, how you been? Hey, feeling good. Sneezing a lot. I don't know what the deal is. I usually wait till spring. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I've been sneezing a lot. Sneezing a lot. I don't know what the deal is, but anyway, other than that, uh, enjoying the weather, enjoying all the persuasion blunders that are happening in politics always gives me a good laugh, and I haven't traveled at all for 10 days. This oh, is good. 10 days. Well, I got yeah. I got back from LA a couple nights ago. It was kind of a rough one because we had a bus coming to pick us up to go see properties and it was two and a half hours late. So I had to do mm. the tap dance and kind of appease everybody. I was going to say, you were dancing. I was dancing. Pretending it's not an issue and say, oh, this happens all the time. Oh, well, anyway, let's do this. Yeah. Maintain those expectations we talked about a few episodes yep. ago. Listeners, if you wanted a show, you should have been at the Sheraton in Anaheim on Saturday because I was dancing. Did you break into song or anything? No, or? it was mostly just tap. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, just tap yeah. dancing. My wife is quite pregnant. We're due in the first week of October-ish, and she threw mm. her back out. So oh, I, oh. I felt like a chump because I had to leave her here with the three other kids, and the inmates were running the asylum, and it was just... Uh, gotcha. Yeah. So do you have your grounding date as far as when, okay, here's the date. There's no more time. Yeah, yeah, October 2nd. <laughs> last uh yeah there's always that window okay there's a spot no more travel to here to here here's the two months you're doing nothing yep. and it's a good thing sometimes but yeah i remember those blackout dates like pretty uh -huh, much the whole month of october is uh Dirt. no touchy yeah <laughs> not going anywhere <laughs> and i have been sleeping in every day just because i can <laughs> that's a good thing that was one of my goals before I even got married is like you know i don't ever want to use an alarm yeah. clock so when my kids were younger, they were my alarm clock. I would sleep in until I said, Dad, can you get up and make us breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. Thanks. <laughs> so it is good to sleep in every once in a while. So that's Sometimes those kids can be worse than the alarm clock, though. If you get one that's, that's got an early yeah. riser, you know. Train them to like, okay, 5 a.m. is really not a yeah. good time. To... <laughs> you can come back in and cuddle with us for a while, but we're not getting uh, up. Yeah if, yeah, if it's still dark outside, stay in your bed. <laughs> yeah. If you can see the moon, all right, <laughs> that's a red flag. It is. It is. And somewhere along the way, somebody decided that society needed to get up at like 6 a.m. And it's dark half the year at 6 a.m. That's just, I take issue with that. I take issue with the whole daylight savings thing. Hey, set it and forget it. Quit changing it on yeah. it, right? My body gets set, you change it six months later and you have to reset. So yeah, that's a whole nother story. We'll have to attack that on another Yeah, they, Actually, we don't usually compliment listeners, but the people in Arizona kind of have that figured out. They just, they don't play that game. Yeah. Just, Hey, Hawaii too. And I think Indiana's like, no, well, why are we doing this? So when you're president, go ahead. Yeah, I got it. it. I got it. We've got some important right. things to take care of. Although dealing with those things, people might appreciate you more because uh, I don't know when people can really say that a politician did something that they liked. That's true. Well, you have the other half to say it's a government conspiracy to keep us on our toes and mentally off because they keep changing the time. So I don't know about that. <laughs> mentally either. off. <laughs> That's kind of a little out there, but it was interesting. Thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's an insult to the conspiracy theorists on the show. Because that's the first thing a cult does is they keep you up and mentally fatigued and you're not sleeping, you're not thinking straight. So maybe there's some truth Well, there. that's what our new baby's going to do to us. 
That's right. Maybe they're part of yeah, the cult. Yeah, probably. Your kids are part of a cult. You don't even know <laughs> it. It's going on right under my nose. <laughs> you better figure that yeah, one it's out. Like it's that they used to do. I read an article how they did that in Guantanamo Bay to these uh, terrorists. They'd keep them up all night, and then they'd blast music from the show Barney. If you grew up in the 90s, <laughs> you know what that is. You mean Barney, Barney the Dinosaur? Barney the Dinosaur. Oh, that causes people to be suicidal. I don't know. I'd rather have waterboarding. Yeah, I would rather get waterboarded <laughs> than be held out on sleep. Come on, no, do the other stuff, not Barney. Anything <laughs> but Barney. Torture me. Hit me. Do something. Waterboard. Electrodes. Come on, Bamboo. something. Shock me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything's better than Barney. I'll have to find that and put it on the blog because they, yeah, they were doing that, and it, it's funny because everybody's talking about how cruel it is there, and it's like, well, yeah, they're playing Barney. It's horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Worse than anything else you yep. can do. Torture it. So we off the rails enough to start the show? Yeah, okay. We've taken a severe right. Let's come back and talk about some stuff that help people become more yeah, persuasive. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. And as always, the offer still stands, everybody. Many of you are taking us up on it. If you go to iTunes and leave a review about the show, tell us how awesome it is, how terrible it is. The only requirement is that it be a review. And then email us. Uh, let us know that you left the review, what your name is, so we can cross-reference it and check it and make sure you're not full of it, because many of our listeners are. How's that? <laughs> well, now you've offended the full of it Yeah, the listeners, full of it listeners are okay. all offended now. So just need <laughs> you to email us at maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com. Let us know you left a review. We'll give you a subscription to University of Persuasion, as well as a free coaching session about your business. We can talk about your marketing, your closing, your whatever you want. It's totally tailored to you. No catch, no funny business. You're just going to be better off for it. How's that sound, Kurt? Hey, good plug. Yeah, I a like good it. plug. Shameless plugs, which we're all about here on the show. So we want to actually cue up the Urkel right now. All right, here it is. <laughs> By the way, Kurt was crazy. I won the bet last week. There's no new TV show with Steve Urkel. <laughs> I was close. Did you see the picture I sent you? That was close. Uh... You got to admit. Oh, come on. Give me half a point. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. That's... Uh... You're getting into pretty bad territory there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I won that one. I don't know what I win. Let's go out to lunch this week. You can buy. All right. Let's do, what do we have for? Sushi or wings? That's going to seem to be our favorite. Uh, I think I could do some wings this week. We got football uh, starting. We got yeah, we got to have wings. Ooh, that's right. Yeah. That's football it food. It is football food. Yeah. And we've offended the chickens. All right, yep, let's take go. Take that, chickens. So uh, <laughs> Kurt has an article. We're heading into the political season. As many of you know, we've seen these terrible debates and all this stuff and the news headlines, and it's a complete mess, and it's fun to watch. So we have something about the evil, almighty Google, who many people make similar to Skynet from Terminator 2. It's going to just take over <laughs> the world, and we're all going to be run by Google robots. So what is evil Google doing about elections, Kurt? Well, this was research done, and here's the name you want. It's the American Institute for Behavioral Research and Technology. I know you're looking for that. So that's where this is coming from. It's Robert Epstein. He's saying Google can manipulate its search results and decide the next election. Yeah. So he's saying there's a lot of power there. Because if we look at the 2012 elections, it was only about a 3% difference, right, when you look at the votes and the votes that have been counted. And so they decided to do some studies and figure out, okay, can Google really do this and manipulate? Okay, what pops up? Because, you know, if you're not on that first page in Google, it doesn't matter. And if they could manipulate when you're searching politics what their views are and certain things pop up and certain things don't, like the negative things don't, and the positive things go. do, it makes a huge difference. So they did this study with almost 5,000 undecided voters in the United States. 
and they boosted the candidate's favorability rating. And it changed what they thought about the candidate up to 63%. Mm. And, of course, they went to Google, and the Google spokesperson said, well, that's meaningless. We would never do that. That would undermine the people's trust in our results in our company. Yeah, who knows what's going on over there. And something really interesting, and I didn't know this at all, that Western Union, back when they were doing telegrams, Mm -hmm. this was the 1876 presidential election, the Rutherford B. Hayes was running. I don't know if you know your history. That's a new name for me. But it was one of the closest in the U.S. history. And Western Union used its monopoly in the telegraph network, only would contract with the Associated Press to ensure that only positive stories about Hayes made its way to the wire, and Hayes won by no a hair. And they say that was the difference. So that was the Google in their time, the Telegraph. Now it's Google now. You can take it for what it's worth. We'll post it on the blog. But it's interesting that just a little bit here, a little bit there, things are so tight, so close nowadays that people could be skews just based on the information they get, whether it be Google or even a news source that they choose. Those gatekeepers can really change what we think about situations, politics, or any aspect. That's of just straight freaky. So you're saying that in this particular study and setting aside that Western Union thing for a moment, but when people are said, hey, this guy's more favorable, it makes them go, oh, lots of people like him, so I'm going to like him. And that's true. You look, Even if just a something as stupid as a, a review for a movie on Rotten Tomatoes. I look at that. I go, did people like it? So what's to say I'm not going to do it in politics? What's to say I'm not going to go, hey, do people like this guy? Oh, they do? Then maybe I'm going to like him. And it really does affect how you view them more. And if the news sources are filtering out that stuff, that's kind of scary. Well, they've done studies with politics in general where they put people in a room and they show them a video and they plant people that are cheer and say, amen, or that's great, let's do it. These people are planted. That alone changes the person's view about that person just having that social validation in the room. Yeah, yeah. I think every politician does that where they put a bunch of extras in their rallies and things, right? Mm-hmm. I actually don't know anybody personally that's ever been to a political rally. Oh, yeah. yeah? I, I mean, one uh, of these big rallies presidential wise i mean i'm not in a swing state so maybe that's why i mean nobody ever comes here it does make a difference right when you do those type of things or we mentioned i think last time that the number one thing for local elections with the party aside is the number of signs that people see so not only is it getting familiar with them just by the sheer number of times that they see it of course a person denies it it's not the signs it's the issues so if they can see the candidate more become more familiar with the candidate see that other people like this candidate It's a huge difference. That's all part of involvement and social validation. In fact, a study at Stanford, they took the top 20 downloads of this software program, and they took number 20 and artificially inflated it to number one, and it stayed at number one because other people liked it. So it's a combination of involvement and social validation that can make a big difference because we want to be part of the group, and the thing we see the most, we like the most. There's a lot of things coming to play here that Google could. I don't know if they're willing to do it or want to do it or trying to do it, but it's been done in the past, and they're a little concerned at the American Institute for Behavioral Research and Technology. Wow. Well, hopefully they don't pull any of these shenanigans, but uh, you just showed that there's a historical precedent for it. Somebody at a private company uh, decides is... they want somebody to win, and we're not going to talk bad things about this person. There you go. Yeah, and politics is all shenanigans, so something's going to happen. Isn't it, though? <laughs> it's just so shenaniganized. Yeah, it is. That's a word. I like the new word, but that something's going to happen. Someone's going to cue something. Someone's going to try something. There's so many emotions involved. And that's the 
challenge with politics is that it's mostly emotion and very little logic. In fact, if you look at the two different parties, you're like, well, that belief should be in this party and that belief should be in that party. Or you put someone into a room and say, hey, they're your same party. And they show them a video like, yeah, we like them, good views. And it was really the other mm. party. And then when you tell them it was the other party, and of course their views change and <laughs> rationalize why it is. Just like, really, people? Come on. Yeah. That's why, hey, let's just ban the parties and vote for who you like, and things would be a lot it's, simpler. You call it something, and people's perception of it changes. I, my daughter, my second daughter, was a big fan of grilled cheese sandwiches. When you have little kids, mealtime is just a knockdown, drag-out negotiation, right? <laughs> it, it is a struggle. And so she was obsessed with grilled cheeses. And we we're like, we got to kind of cut back on this for her. But, you know, we don't have anything else to do. But we were out of bread. We had cheese and we had tortillas. And I said, do you want a quesadilla? No, I don't want a quesadilla. I want a grilled cheese. And I sat there thinking for a second. And I said, well, do you want a Mexican grilled cheese? <laughs> <laughs> That's good for yeah. the packaging and it right worked. There. Yep, I do. I want one of those. And I made it for her. And she loved it. And... I'm ashamed to say that we are not a lot more advanced in our politics. <laughs> <laughs> and she, her whole life, will never know what a quesadilla is, but she will go and order a Mexican uh, yep. And we'll vote for people because somebody said that guy's good or whatever. I mean, it's just exactly. kind of ridiculous. So, All right. Well, let's get going on here. We talked about involvement during the article. The law of involvement hasn't been something we've hit on very seriously for quite a long time. And as we get into politics a lot more, this is going to be coming up. Involvement is so key in marketing and branding and how people feel about you and in changing opinions that uh, after some of the questions we got from last week and bringing up Trump and all that fun stuff, we thought it was appropriate to bring up involvement again. So, Kurt, I think the listeners would benefit from just a quick uh, crash course. What is the law of involvement? Basically, the more you can involve your audience, either mentally or physically, get them to say yes, get them to raise their hand, asking their opinion, asking a question, asking advice, anything to increase participation, anything to increase engagement of the audience, anything you can do to involve their five senses or participate in the process, it dramatically increases your ability to persuade them because they're engaged, they're focused, they're listening. I mean, the worst thing, and you know this to be true, in an audience or even persuading somebody one-on-one -on -one is when they're indifferent and they're not listening, you just can't persuade them. That's very difficult. If you can get them engaged with all their senses, get them to increase participation, man, it makes a big difference in your ability to influence. That's something that these really crafty door-to-door -door people are really good at, right? You go door-to-door, -door, somebody's knocking on my door, go away, I don't want to talk to you, but hey, you know, we're going to spill it on this piece of carpet and clean it, or we're going to do this thing, or we're going to cut through a a shoe with a knife or whatever it is, right? And all of a sudden, hey, you know, I'm involved. I'm I'm uh, more receptive to this because, yeah, it's I'd rather have an angry audience than an indifferent one. Exactly. They can get you to hold something, to shake their hand, to say yes, to keep the door open, whatever they can do to engage you because if that door is shut, you're very difficult to persuade. Have you had any of these cheesy door-to-door -door guys knock on your door and then walk back like 30 feet? And oh, they're yeah. starting to do that, and they're going, oh, sorry, I didn't want to get in your space, and you, can I come closer? And then, boom, you're involved. Yeah, you can come up here. You, boom, you got, yes, you're involved. Or they back up, they're looking at your roof or your windows with this face going, Phew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really concerned. I, I don't know, right? Oh, <laughs> so lame. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cheesy. High cheese factor, high What'd you call it on there? High, high lactose dairy. or yeah. lactose? Oh, high dairy. That's what it is. High dairy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When they get you, though, 
it's pretty effective, just like those guys at the mall with the, the salt scrub stuff, and they want to put it on your hands in those kiosks. And everybody has kind of trained themselves to just don't even look at those guys, ignore them, don't engage. Because once they do get you scrubbing the hand and everything, how much of a chump are you going to feel like if you don't buy the stuff? Right? Exactly. If they can get that eye contact, they know that's a big piece because that's engagement. I mean, that's the biggest thing for a beggar. If they can get that eye contact, they know statistically they've got yeah, the money. Yeah, they do. And so it's you know everybody at the mall knows that now, except for the weak ones in the herd, people that just somehow have not got the menu, <laughs> and those are the ones that, that they get. <laughs> exactly. What else on uh, kind of a crash course on involvement? Well, like we would talk about, if you can ask a question, get their advice, increase their participation, any of those things go a long way. And one study we mentioned, oh, it was probably a while back, this Kurt Lewin study, during World War II, where the United States ran out of meat for the people, right? They were shipping it overseas. It was war, and they were thinking, well, what can we do here? And for some reason, Americans don't like intestinal meats, right? Your favorite tripe, intestine, stomach, that sort of thing. Most cultures where we eat it all the way around the world. People enjoy it. They eat it. I've had it. It's not my favorite. We're not talking hot dogs here. Okay, we're talking about true intestinal meat. So he was hired by the government to convince, back then, housewives to cook intestinal meats for their family, right? That's a pretty tall order here in the United States. Around the world, you're like, oh, what's the big deal? Well, I don't know. For some reason, it's not part of what we eat. (laughs) So I've just offended all the intestinal meat eaters. They deserve it. But anyway, (laughs) that's right. So they brought everybody in this big room, rah, rah, do it for the country, the war effort. Here's some recipes. Here's some samples. Please go home and cook intestinal meats for your family. (laughs) And they did the calculations, did the numbers, they called and found out that 3% had gone home to cook intestinal <laughs> meats for their family, which is dismal, of course, right? So like, hmm, so applying participation, involvement, engaging sentence, asking questions, asking advice, all in one shot. They bought people in a room around a round table, says, hey, we need your opinion, we need your advice. You're the experts here. We're not sure what to do. Tell us. Give us your opinion, your advice. What would you do in this situation? What would you do to get more Americans to eat more intestinal meats? And they thought about, well, try this. Have you done this? What about this? You should try this. I'll do this. And in that process, they were persuading themselves to do it. And so they said, okay. And they did the numbers after that, 32%. Ten times more went home to cook intestinal meats for their family. So sometimes just asking their advice, getting their opinion, helping them persuade themselves, getting them involved is so much easier than you vomiting all the statistics, facts, and figures and telling them why they should do it. Just let them persuade themselves. Mm, Yeah, that is effective. I know that when I go talk to somebody about purchasing their home from them, uh, we do get that attitude of, oh, I don't want to do this. You're asking them to do something they're not used to. And we will get out a piece of paper. We call it a net sheet. And real estate agents do this a lot, right? What do you think you can sell your house for? What do you th- and we start asking, and they start coming up with numbers, and we crunch numbers there with them and involve them and show them what the result is going to be on numbers that they came up with and how it's really not that far off of our option, and ours is a lot more convenient. I just see people completely turn, completely turn when they go through that process because they've been involved. That's exactly right. It makes it so much easier in the persuasion process, and it sticks better. There's a little remorse because it was their idea, Right. It was their number. They decided to come into the store. They decide whatever it is, it goes a long way. Even sometimes when you give these free trial options, right? Hey, try my product if you don't like it or if you don't like it better than what you're on. 
sometimes people really, if you ask them the questions, they don't like it better. But because they're now involved mentally, they talk themselves into it or mentally it's just too much trouble to change. And now you got them. That's exactly right. Whether it's take the puppy home for the weekend or test drive this car for a, a month or try us out for two months. That's why on the infomercial, that's 90 day, try it out, taste it, touch it, feel it, use it. And that's the other reason too, why when you open up the box from an infomercial, it disintegrates. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> because that extra step of finding a box to ship it back sometimes is a little too much and kind of a little crafty using that method, but that's all part of involvement and keeping people involved. Even we know with car washes, when it's donation only, they get more money, just getting them involved, getting them using it. So anything you can do to get them involved, to keep them engaged, to keep their attention will make you more persuasive. Yeah. So what's the takeaway? I mean, we did a little crash course on involvement. What can the average persuader do? Somebody who they sell insurance or they sell cars or they own their own business or, or whatever it is. How do they get involvement working in their favor? Because it clearly works. I mean, we've given statistics out the yin-yang today. How, how does average Joe use it? You just got to figure out, okay, how can I persuade them? What questions can I ask? What can I get them to do? What advice or opinions can I ask? Anything you can do to lead them along that process and you're persuading them a little bit at a time. Raise your hand and say yes. Or do you agree with this and say yes. Or hold this, taste this, try this, do this. That sort of thing. I know when they were selling windshields, for example, that were shatterproof. It was a brand new thing. And just get the person to take a hammer and hit it themselves dramatically increase sales. Part of this process, too, is realizing is they have to see themselves doing it. They have to visualize it. And they visualize it more when you're asking opinions and they're thinking about it. They start to see themselves doing it. A simple thing with inner city youth, they're told their whole life, go to college, go to college, go to college. And they don't go to college. They're like, well, what can we do? Well, the challenge was is no one asked their opinion, their advice, what they thought about it. And even worse, they couldn't visualize what a college was. What Their parents didn't go. So why do people keep talking about it? Why is this important? So they ship them off to a university or a college for a day. They mirror a student for a day. And now they see the benefit. Now they can visualize it. It made a huge difference in the amount that actually went to a college because they were involved. They were asked about it. They could visualize it and made a huge difference just by getting them involved. Well, there you go. So the people need to experience your product or, or at least engage with you. If you can get them to do something physically, hold this, touch that, whatever, right? Uh, much more effective, mm -hmm. correct? Absolutely. Touch this, raise their hand, say yes, touch your neighbors. That sort of thing does work because you've actually persuaded them. Pull out your pencil, write this down, or all little things that can lead up to that eventual thing you want them to yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Why don't we cue up the Homer? Homer, go! Don't, don't, don't! Now, this one's you, and this one's pretty gnarly. I don't think it competes with the state senator in Michigan. But I don't think anything can, but this one's pretty good. Why don't you let us know what happened at, uh, at a local jeweler? A local jeweler. So my daughter had a boyfriend, and they were starting to go to college together, you know, and their mind sparks were flying, of course, and he had bought her a necklace, which, of course, she cherished, and it broke. And so she took it to a local jeweler to have them fix it, and this guy looks at her and says, you know, this isn't worth much. It's probably not worth fixing. Now, who gave it to you? Why did they do that? 
Don't you want them to give you something a little more expensive? I mean, just wow. I mean, there's so many things wrong with this, which totally destroyed her emotionally. And my wife was there, which it completely upset her. I mean, these are college students. They're not going to get top-of-the-line gold necklaces. It was the thought that mattered. She wanted it fixed. She might even known it wasn't worth that much, but she wanted it fixed. It was a sentimental thing. And here's this guy with his, from what I understand, his shirt unbuttoned a little too much, right? Gold chains, that type of thing. Wasn't even the owner and was just totally destroying this person. I thought, well, maybe he was going to try to sell him something else. He didn't. Maybe. What is his motive here? And it lit my wife's fire so much, she went back, tracked down the owner, and said, look, you know what this guy did? And, of course, the owner tried to fix it and apologized, but there's no going back. A blunder like that, you blow something like that, you destroy someone's feelings or emotions like that, there's no coming back. you got to be careful. So I don't know the motive or intent or if it was just his knowledge or he thought he was all that, but you got to be careful. That is the blunder of the week, local jeweler, and, wow, we're not coming back. <laughs> That guy's an idiot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Any way you slice it, pure idiotness. And now that we've offended the idiots, but that's a whole other thing to where, what were you thinking? What was yeah. your motive? Everything you do and say should lead up to a sale to something versus running people away. And that's what I call a persuasion pitfall is a lot of times people don't know when they're selling or persuading or the store owner doesn't know that someone's offended. They just usually just never come back, right? And they don't know that someone was too condescending or someone was too aggressive or someone said the wrong things. It's, well, they just never come back and the store owner never knows that that happens for the most part. And so if someone comes up to you and says, you know, so-and-so did something, you know there's a lot of other Yeah, issues. there are. Especially if your wife's involved, she'll follow through on that stuff. I know. Or she's, <laughs> uh, you know, when you're married to a persuasion expert, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> Look out. She knows all the tools and techniques. and she'll Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nicest, one of the nicest people I know, but when it comes to tacky persuasion, you know, she'll make her opinion known. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, so yeah. a lot of sales guys, and I guess it's just tacky dissonance. It's, you know, we've got to exploit the pain, and there's a difference between exploiting the pain that your prospect has and making them feel like an idiot. Yeah, the big thing there, I think a lot of times, is they try to show their knowledge and their expertise, uh, yeah, and they know everything. And they think they're confident. It comes across as arrogant, cocky, condescending. It's just a downward spiral. So they think they're fine because they're confident. They know their yeah, stuff. Yeah. But the way they package it, the way they said it, it was just cocky and arrogant. And that's where all trust goes out the window and you can't maintain a relationship. We ought to do a show about that. You know, what's the difference between confidently showing that you know your stuff and then making your prospect feel like a moron? Yeah, and that's a fine yeah. line because – the persuader thinks they're confident, and when I interview these other guys, they're like, no, arrogant, I'm not yeah. coming back. Well, all right, that jeweler's just terrible. And plus, come on, the open shirt with the chest hair and the gold chain? <laughs> well, you know, you got to complete the package, yeah, Did right? he have some cool in the gang or something playing when you went in there? Shag carpet? Uh, well, so my wife that went in there, I don't know about the cool in the gang or what was happening, but uh, yeah, there's like 10 strikes against this person in this company, and they lost. Did business. he do the like the double pistol thing and say, hey, kind of Fonzie type deal? <laughs> that would be worth a picture. We'll have to track that down. <laughs> Come back sometime. Yeah, yeah. Right? We got to go get a picture of that guy. I did post a picture on, by the way, we are on Twitter. I don't know if anybody knows this. We've said it, right? Uh, our Twitter handle is at Influence Max. We're also on Facebook, and I like to post uh, tacky pictures on there from time to time. And, uh, there was one that a friend of mine shared on Facebook of this guy that does car detailing, and you should have seen his truck, all right? It looked like he drove his truck through Bolivia 
in the jungle for about the last <laughs> 50 years. And then that he hired his kindergartner to write crayons on the truck advertising car detailing services. It was just uh, pretty terrible. So we did post that on Twitter and on Facebook. We like to do that kind of stuff. So if you can get a picture of a chest hair guy, Kurt, that's going up. I think we got to get it on there. <laughs> we'll have to track that down. Yeah, there's not a lot of credibility when you're detailing your cars dirty or those signs you now see at every intersection. Real estate investor seeks apprentice, yeah. and you can barely read it. And it's written in crayon. You're like, Wait I know. A I know the people that do that, and they're <laughs> trying to make this kind of a hang. I'm approachable, but uh, to, yeah, I, you know the one I've seen around lately. Have you seen that one that says "Day Trade My Money"? I have seen it. That just, one, yeah. It just screams. Okay, talk about a catch, right? Oh, there's some guy mm. saying, "Hey, you know, you're, you're a rookie. Here's a bunch of my money to trade." <laughs> yeah, I have so much of this money, and I don't care about it. Just go ahead and do whatever you want with it. See what yeah, you I, I can't. I can't trade it all. <laughs> yeah, I have so much yeah. money, I can't trade it. Yeah, Goldman help. Sachs can trade billions and billions every minute, but I can't. I have so much <laughs> that the, the digits will help. not fit in the field on the computer for me to place the trades. <laughs> oh, geez. So all true. right. Well, we're uh, we're getting grumpy. We're hitting grumpy phase. When we talk about too many blunders at once. Um, grumpy equilibrium. So we better we better hang it up, everybody. Like I said, offers still out there. Yeah. Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think about the show. Email me back at maximizeyourinfluence at gmail dot com. And once we verify your review is legit, we will give you a free subscription to University of Persuasion as well as a free coaching session. So. Offer is still out there. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. See you next week.